This is Matt Ward of The Weigh-In, your home for combat sports. I'm joined on the phone by John J. Responti, a boxing writer who is the author of numerous articles and two books on boxing. His most recent book, Blood on My Notebook, Dispatches from the World of Professional Boxing, was released in October 2019. John, thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure, Matt. Really, really excited to be here with you today. Awesome. So, John, your boxing journey began when you were a child. Tell us yes. more about how you became interested in the sweet science. Well, Matt, yeah, I did. It began when I was really young. Uh, I really, in a sense, didn't have a choice because my dad loved boxing. He's from Chicago, and he, he loved all sports, but boxing was something special to him. He was a Golden Gloves boxer in the Chicago area. And then when I would see my grandfather, his dad, or my uh, other grandfather on my mom's side, he was also a boxing fan. And then I would see the, the, uh, uh, the, the uncles, and they were also boxing fans. So, <laughs> you know, as a little kid, you just, you're like a sponge, right? You just yeah. hear people all talking about it, and you're like, what is this sport that they're so interested in? And I was already very curious about lots of things when I was little, so... Uh, I would just listen in when my dad would talk about boxing. And in Chicago area, especially back in his day, was very legendary, you know, and he yeah. had some fabulous stories. And, and I would just listen with amazement, especially as I got older. A lot, first, I didn't know who he was talking about, really. But as I grew up and, and I was, uh, I started getting into the, I, I bought my first Ring magazine was when I was about six years old. Well, I didn't buy it. Obviously, my dad bought it for me. <laughs> Do you remember and, who was on uh, the cover of that Ring magazine by any chance? Yeah, Muhammad Ali was on the cover of that ring. Awesome. And Cassius Clay then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, he, uh, uh, then, because I wanted to be able to talk to him about it, you mm -hmm. know, so that that's kind of how it started. And, and uh, I just got more and more interested. And, and I'll tell you a story that just popped into my head when we would, when my dad and mom would, would uh, take my sister and I on these long, boring uh, road trips. Uh, which would end up being fun, but we'd have to sit in the back seat and try not to kill each other, you know. And, yep. and uh, my dad would go to the liquor store early in the morning before we left and, and buy me uh, a boxing magazine because in those days, you know, they had uh, The Ring, they had uh, Boxing Illustrated, they had KO. I think they might have had KO then, but at least two of them. So that would at least keep me occupied for a while. So yep. obviously, obviously, I've been. Uh, uh, a lover of boxing and interest in, in, in the history. I started off really, really into the old history of the sport and, and, you know, John L. Sullivan, James J. Corbett and, and Jack Johnson and Jack Dempsey, all those guys in movies. So yeah, it's just been a, a lifetime uh, love and, and enjoyment. Awesome. Growing up, who was your uh, favorite fighter? It was Muhammad Ali when then. And then when I got a little older, I discovered Armando Muniz. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I first heard of him in 1970, and Armando was like the total opposite of, of Muhammad because he didn't have the talent, obviously, and he was yeah. a welterweight out of the L.A. area, and he was just tough. You know, his nickname, The Man, was uh, uh, just perfect. And, and in the book, in Blood of My Notebook, you know, i got to say this, I finally got to meet Armando. It's one of the, the mo uh, most enjoyable things I've ever written. Mm -hmm. I never even put it out until I put it in the book, and I got to spend all day with him and his family, and it was just one of those uh, things you never forget. And now we we speak uh, uh, quite regularly. So, uh, but yeah, Armando was always pretty much the underdog. It seemed like you know, barely five six, short arms, but tough as nails, 
and determined. And then on the other side, you know, you had the greatest, felt like a butterfly sting like a bee. Yep. And I just, I would just laugh at a lot of things he would say. And, and uh, he was just, you talk about an icon. I mean, he was just one of those guys that comes along just every so often. And I, I loved watching him until he got older. Then it got painful because he hit so much. But when he was younger, it was, uh, it was a blast to watch Muhammad. So yeah, Muhammad Ali and Armando Muniz. Very cool. Very cool. And did you get into following Armando's career when you relocated to LA? Oh, for sure. And, and uh, I talk about that, you know, my, my, uh, my grandfather, uh, as I said, he had moved to Los Angeles, uh, my, my mom's father, and he was into boxing, like I said. So what he used to do is, back in those days, uh, the, the Olympic Auditorium was the mecca of boxing in Southern California. Now, I was in mm-hmm. Northern California. So oh. occasionally, occasionally on a Saturday night, I mean, I'm really revealing how old I am here, but this is just the way it was back in those days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would... Boxing from the Olympic would come on Saturday night, Sunday morning, like one o'clock on Channel Fifty Four in Northern California, where I live. So I'd have to get the old rabbit ears out and and say a prayer and do the old, you know, to <laughs> yeah. try to get Channel Fifty Four to, to come in. And occasionally it would, and I'd see Armando, and that's how I saw Carlos Palomino for the first time, and later Randy Shields, uh, who, who's a good friend, and and. Uh, just a lot of those guys, and I just absolutely love the Olympics. So I, when I got to go to the Olympics, mm-hmm. when we went to visit my my grandfather, I said, oh, Dad, I nagged him to death. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> 1972, you know. So the Olympic was just amazing to me. I mean, I mean I'll never forget walking. You walk down in the in, in, in the it's like a bowl-shaped place and right and fighters would come up from underneath which was the coolest thing in the world but in those days pretty much everybody smoked you know so i remember i'm 14 right and i've never seen so much smoke it was hovering over the <laughs> ring you know like a big cloud or something <laughs> it's, it, it's like amazing. that that old school yeah, so boxing look it's <laughs> just fantastic man very cool very cool yeah and the olympic is one of those arenas that even boxing guys that are from the Northeast that, that we're aware of that, you know, and that's, and like you said, that's really the Mecca of boxing on the West coast. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why in the back of blood in my notebook, I had to put the picture of me with the Olympic behind me is it's a church now. And in a lot of ways it's fitting that it's a church because it was, it was the Mecca of boxing. It was, it was a, a, a heavenly place to boxing fans and fighters. I mean, you ask any of them that ever fought there and they just, they just loved it, mostly because it was the crowd was great, and it was just a great place to fight. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool. Do you do you know what year they stopped having boxing matches there? Well, it, it had problems in the eighties, and then it came back in the nineties. And the last time I think was sometime they had like a a comeback in the Olympic in the in the middle nineties or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. So it's been a long time. It's real. What's really interesting is the last time I went, the time I got that picture. I walked inside, and, and you can still see, it says on the wall, you know, row H, row I. So you, <laughs> the, the remnants of the Olympic are still there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and yeah. I, rem- I remember seeing it on television when I was a kid. Uh, and I'm, I'm 35, so <laughs> I, I knew that it had been around, like, when boxing was on my radar as well. And that would have been really, like, the, that, that late 90s or the mid-90s period. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's such a cool place still because 
uh, like I said, some of the remnants are there, and it was christened in 1928 by Jack Dempsey. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I love history, so you know I'm going to gravitate to that. And I walked in, when you would walk in, Matt, you know, you'd pay, you'd walk in the lobby, and all over the walls were just pictures of great fighters that fought there. I mean, I was totally in awe. As you can tell, I'm still in awe, just remembering it, you know. Just right. The pictures of all the fighters and and, and the feeling of the place. Uh, and and I've, I've ne- obviously never experienced, I've been to a lot of fights over the years, gone to a number of places, but that place was was really, really, really obviously special to me. Yeah. It seems like that's going to be one of those places that will always stick out in your memory when you think about boxing. Yeah, it makes me smile. and gives me the chills. I mean, there are a few gyms that I've gone. I don't know if you, you I'm sure you have some in Philadelphia. I mean, maybe... I don't know if the gym where Joe Frazier trained is, what is it, the 23rd PAL or Paul or something, where Joe Frazier trained in the 60s. Yeah. That's, is that it? Yeah. If anything if, like that is left, you know, there's one out in Oakland that Joe Frazier trained at and George Foreman and, and uh, that I used to go to a, quite a bit. And that's where Andre Ward started working when he was a, a little boy. And that's that old place, you know, you walk in, you feel like, oh my God, I stepped into the 1950s. You know, it's like one of those things. And, and it's just, that, that's just, that to me, it might be a personal thing, Matt, but to me, that's just fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Those places where you can feel the boxing history all around you. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So, John, when did you make the transition from boxing fan to boxing writer? Well, that was about 10 years ago, Matt, a little over 10 years, and, and I'd always written things. Uh, I didn't have a degree or anything, but I'd always loved writing. I, I had written some uh, commercials when I was younger, local commercials. I always loved it. And it was just a fluky thing. I got this. Uh, I, I saw this notice about uh, this website was looking for writers, and I wrote a, 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 an email to the editor, Anthony Cox, and I got to give him a, a call out because he <laughs> he very respect receptive, and he's he's a very good friend now, obviously. And and he, I asked him, could I submit something? And he said, sure. And I did, and he loved it. And, and that's basically how it started. It wasn't money. It wasn't anything like that. It was just try to get an outlet for for me. And I really just wanted to write about the history that I experienced, you know, like I was just telling you about L- the L.A. area in the 70s and then uh, um, uh, some of the, the old fighters. And then it just started to take on a life of its own. You know, and then Andre Ward was out here, like I said, so I got an interview with Andre Ward and took me weeks to get and I got it and we sat there and spoke and it just I just realized that this was this was my passion you know I had a few passions in my life but this was one of them and I just loved it and enjoyed it and I I was working nights and and I was able to to do what I needed to do in the daytime didn't get a lot of sleep but (laughs) I could you know I could do interviews I could do things like this on the phone I could go to locations and, and it just, like I said, I started to get response from the articles and I was like, wow, people like this. Yeah, so it just, then they started to give me more and more assignments. So it's just, it's been uh, pretty incredible, pretty damn incredible. That's awesome. Now, were there any boxing writers that inspired you like growing up or even, even today as, as a member of the boxing media? Well, the old guys, you know, I, I, uh, AJ Liebling, I don't know if people have ever 
uh, read him. He wrote a book called Sweet Science that I read uh, pretty much when I was starting, and I thought it was the most phenomenal book on boxing that I I had ever written uh, ever read. And I mean, he's an old. He was in the fifties, but he was he was going to the Rocky Marciano's training camp and Floyd Patterson. So you know, you're immediately in that legendary thing from that time. He just saw the beginnings of Muhammad Ali, but he was just writing, and he just had a different way of because he really wasn't a boxing writer when he started. He was more. Uh, uh, he wrote during World War Two, and 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 he brought a lot of his experience in life into the boxing. So he inspired me in the sense that I thought to myself, okay, you can write a boxing article, but try to make it a little different. You know, whatever, yeah. whatever personal stuff you can bring in, if you can, because I was never what you would call Mr. Wordy. You know, I, I try to get to the point right away. But if I could give somebody something that they would remember, then, then I did my job. And that's what he did. And every now and then I would get more personal because I knew the fighters or whatever. So he was a big, he was definitely a big time inspiration. He, the guy, the guy is a, a full fledged legend. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that, that is a great book. I, I've never had a chance to sit down and read the entire thing, but I've, I've seen numerous excerpts from the book and mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with you, John, like one of, one of the best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, John, you've written numerous articles for Doghouse Boxing and Max Boxing. Uh, looking back on your career at this point, because you're still very active, what article sticks out the most to you as your finest work? Well, that's tough. Because I'm a really, yeah. <laughs> I, it's really hard for me to judge my own work. You know, I remember a few times I'll write something and I'll say, man, I, I really nailed it this time. You know? so I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, 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 I'll read it to somebody I know and they'll go, yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty good. I go, what? I thought that was a home run, you know. So it's really hard, but but uh, um, all of the, my best work, I hope, is in blood on my notebook. And what one stands out recently? The one that I just mentioned, Randy Shields. I really, really enjoyed that one. Uh, I think that's one of the best. And maybe uh, the one I wrote on uh, uh, wrote on Sugar Ray Seals. If you remember that, that's also yeah. also Matt and every now and then I'll mix both and I and I have one in there about Joe Lewis and on the waterfront you know yeah, about how he knocked out, yeah knocked out all the goons so I like how he did that <laughs> but you know what the one that maybe is the, maybe my best one and I don't know if anyone would agree uh, but uh, it, again in blood in my notebook is the two Johnnies mm-hmm. Johnny Saxon and Johnny Bratton uh, that one I don't know. Well, let me ask you. I mean, you read it. Maybe I'm putting yeah. you on the spot here. But did you have a favorite that you well, you read blood on my notebook? What favorite one that stood out? Yeah, I really liked. Um, you mentioned the Randy Shields one. I really liked that um, because you could tell that that you were familiar with him, you know, and that yeah. and that you had had made uh, friendship. Uh, with yes. with Randy, so that one really sticks yeah. out to me. The other one I liked a lot, and I have a question later on, uh, kind of regarding this around this, was the Darnell Boone interview. Oh yes, um, and I think with that interview, I think you did a really good job. Or excuse me, with that story, I think you did a really good job, uh, like just presenting this fighter who is a, a journeyman fighter, and and you just you you put him on display, and and really you you hit 
just this important type of fighter in the sport of boxing. You just nailed it on the head, I think. And, and I really appreciated the way that you highlighted his, his, what he was going through. And you showed us kind of a glimpse into his life and what it was like for him to be a journeyman fighter. And you showed him that, that, that due respect that I think every, every guy that laces up the gloves and gets in the ring deserves. Oh, absolutely. That's right. I, I, I don't know how that one slipped my mind. That one was a number of years ago. I, I re- actually wrote like three or four on, on uh, Darnell. I call him Deeds. You know, he's the diesel, and I call yep. him Deeds, and, and we're friends. And, and that's it. You you nailed it because <laughs> anybody, to me, anybody, anybody who's got the guts to get in the ring deserves respect. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got guys like, like Darnell Diesel Boone who, who barely – most of the time, barely get a week or so to to get ready. And right. as I think in that article, I, I talked about how he, a lot of times he would be in fights with no trainer in his corner. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's incredible, you know, and this guy yeah. knocked out Adonis Stevenson. Yeah, yeah. You know, the guy who gave Kovalev hell might have beat him. This is a guy who knocked down Andre Ward. I mean, it's, 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 it's sad in a way that you're, he's always going to wonder too, because we speak quite a bit. If he had really been picked up by a promoter and given the support and a really good trainer, how good could he have really been? Yeah, that's a very common theme in boxing. You know, you see yeah. a guy that's a tough guy, but they just don't have the financial backing to really devote yeah. the time to training and to really elevate them from a journeyman fighter up to like a world champion caliber fighter. And and yeah, yeah absolutely. And you know, Virgil Hunter, who who uh, I got to know pretty well. Uh, haven't seen him recently, but he had the greatest respect for for Darnell Boone. Whenever I would mention him offhandedly, go, "Oh, how's how's he doing? How's Darnell <laughs> doing?" And and uh, so <laughs> he gained his respect. I mean, he had it anyway. But Virgil has respect for all fighters. The same kind of idea. But yeah, no, I'm really glad you mentioned that one because. Again, it, those are the kind of fighters that I like to highlight and talk about because they don't get much uh, as far as that goes. And I want, I did one on, um, um, it's not in the book, but uh, the, the, what's, God, I'm slipping my, I'm getting old. The guy, the guy actually beat Gotti a couple of times. Uh, uh, Ivan Robinson, who beat Gotti, I yeah. did one on him a number of years ago, and, and he, uh, he was just thrilled, you know, and, and uh, they deserve to be remembered and they, they deserve to be uh, talked about. Oh, another one that I that I really enjoyed writing is in the book, too. And it really made me sad, though, because he was one of my favorites also with Matthew Saad Muhammad. Yeah. Another Philly guy. Yes. And he had no you know, tombstone or uh, and he got one. Thank gosh. And, and uh, uh, but that was just that one was hard to write because I was just so sad. He talk about leaving it all in the ring. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I was, um, I, I kind of had a, a somewhat of a front row seat to the whole grave marker um, funding. Oh, oh. Uh, a friend of mine named John, John DeSanto actually was big. Oh, John, yes. Yeah, yes. he's he's a good friend of mine, and he was uh, he was big in getting the funding and 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 making that 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 setup of that headstone happen, which was which was really neat and a great honor for a great yeah. Philadelphia champion. Yes, absolutely. Good, good, good on John. I think I got an email from him or something during that period, and, and I, I, I talked to him about it, and I'm so glad that you guys did that. That's fantastic. Yeah, John's a great guy. He does a lot of great things for the city of Philadelphia and Philadelphia boxing history, too. Yeah, great. And I will great. say, too, John, you mentioned Ivan Robinson. 
Ivy Robinson's uh, been on the podcast a couple of times, and he's a buddy of mine. So he'll appreciate that you that you brought him up today, tonight on the interview. <laughs> oh, he's, he's a great guy. Yeah, man. wonderful. This better than me. He's a great guy, and he was so he was so thrilled that anybody remembered him. And we had him on the Ringside Boxing Show, you know, a show that I'm on every week. And yeah, and after the article, because of the response, we had him on that, and and he's got some fighters, you know, and, and we mm-hmm. haven't spoke. Recently. But I, I, I always want to help him because he has that sh- that program or that show every year right in Philadelphia with amateur boxing. Yeah. He's, he's really giving back. And, and uh, uh, that, that again, that's that that's tremendous to do that. And uh, I, I feel like I need to reach out to him again because it's been a while. And he's yeah, he's just a fan. He's, he's just, I'm sure you noticed this. Matt, or you know this, mm-hmm. even though you're such a youngster at 35 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the boxers, this is why I, 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 I love what I do, too. The boxers are, almost all of them are just great. Yes. And they're honest, and they, they, they'll they tell you when they messed up. They'll tell you, Lil, look, you're right in the eye. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I messed <laughs> up on that. And where most people would make excuses or that. They'll tell you, and, and I, I, I've just grown to respect them so much. I mean, I have rules on the, on Max Boxing, you know, the site that I run, that you, you, you're not allowed to write an article that, that puts people down like that, fighters. You can't mock them. You might be able to make a joke, but we'll see if it crosses the line. Because, again, these guys deserve our respect. Yeah. And, and uh, um, uh, we're, we're going to give it to them, and that's, that's the way it is. And they're just... They're just fantastic guys. I mean, I, I've made so many friends with them, and it, it kind of blows my mind sometimes. Like they're just they're just fantastic guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. That's one of the exciting things about covering the sport of boxing is getting to know some of the fighters and the people in the world of boxing that are that are really some of the most humble and down to earth people yeah. in professional sports, in my opinion. Yes, absolutely. So, John, I noticed that your first book, Intimate Warfare, the true story of the Arturo Gatti and Mickey Ward boxing trilogy, trilogy was published by Roman and Littlefield. Mm-hmm. Um, many boxing insiders and fans will recognize that publisher as one of the big publishers for boxing history books. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two questions for you regarding this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, what made you and your co-author, Dennis Taylor, decide to write a book about this trilogy? Well, Dennis Taylor is the host of, of the Ringside Boxing Show and another phenomenal human being that I've been lucky enough to. It's an incredible story how he even met uh, uh, Dennis. I'll, t- I'll tell you this part real fast, Matt. I met sure. Dennis Taylor and Bill Kaplan, you know, the legendary publicist, right? You, yeah. You've heard of Okay. On the same day. <laughs> and they both ended up being people that really helped me uh, with what I was trying to do. It was like, it was just incredible. But uh, Dennis, yeah, we've been friends now for a number of years, and and I the the true story is it's not very uh, sexy or anything, but the true story was uh, uh I was driving in my job uh, then 2015 nights I worked graveyard as I said, and I I thought, God, you know I don't think there's anything about Arturo Gotti and Mickey Ward about them and their fights and. I, 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 I was just like perplexed, you know, and, and I, when I got to, to my job, I sat in the parking lot and I called Dennis mm. and I said, you know what? I think we ought to write a book about Arturo Gotti and Mickey Ward. And he goes, you bet. <laughs> just, like <that. laughs> just like that. And that's really how it started, you know, and, 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 uh, 
we did our research and, and Dennis did his sections. He did a lot of the, the, the when they were younger and, and then I took over in the boxing part and then I did some stuff and he did a, some of the buildups and I did some of the buildups. So it was a collaboration uh, uh, between us and it was um, just incredible. You know, when you research these people, you get to know them pretty well. And then what was really cool, Matt, for me is I did all the stuff on the fights and I've seen those fights. Because, you know, they're legendary, the three fights, especially the first one. Yeah. But I watched them all over again to get a fresh perspective. Uh, just just not just sitting in a different spot, you know, mm-hmm. taking notes. Not like a fan, just like as a as almost like a, a, a boxing scientist. That's just dissecting it, watching it. And then every time I'd, I'd see something, I'd write a note down. And then I'd include it in the description. And, and that was just, that was just a blast and then getting to know them and then uh, the fact that Ward and Gotti got to be such good friends yeah and then of course the tragedy but um yeah that that was uh that was an incredible experience for us and and uh we're hoping to write another one someday but uh, that was that was really um I mean when we got done we were like thrilled we were done but then like now what? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So that you know that was that was really fun. That's awesome. That's very cool. So, what was it like for you guys to work with Roman and Littlefield? Oh, they were great. Awesome. They, yeah, they were great. Um, uh, 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 Dennis has a few published things, and and I this was my first time, so I didn't really know what to expect. And uh, Roman and Littlefield very professional. Um, uh, you know, obviously they have departments and everything and they handle everything extremely well. And, and, um, they, they would have, they didn't, they didn't complain too much. We basically did no rewriting at all except the manuscript as it was, which thrilled us. And all I had to do after we we was put in the little, uh, the picture, we have pictures in intimate warfare and I put in the little uh, captions, little descriptions of all the pictures and, we were done, and 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 uh, they were fantastic, uh, Matt. I I have got no. I would never complain anyway uh, about them because, again, they were they were so professional and nice and supportive, and that's obviously what you need when you've never never really done this before. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, I I had to ask that question because I know just from talking to other boxing journalists and boxing historians, you know, people who have these ideas for books, um, obviously Roman and Littlefield comes up quite often and it's good to hear, uh, an author who has worked with that publisher, uh, sing their praises and say that they had a good experience. And I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure your feedback will be valuable to, to potential authors and, and, and whatnot who are listening to, to this podcast. Oh, absolutely. And anybody, uh, whatever you want to do, but they can also contact me. But the editor was uh, fantastic. And and, uh, I would be glad to uh, uh, throw in a word about somebody who wants to uh, publish a book with Roman Littlefield and they want to send it in there. They were great. They were great. Very cool. So we talked a little bit about the podcast that you work on with Dennis, Mm -hmm. the Ringside Boxing Show. Can you tell us a little bit more about that podcast for for members of my audience that aren't familiar with it? Sure thing. Uh, Dennis Taylor created the Ringside Boxing Show basically about 10 or so years ago. And in the beginning, it was Dennis and Irish Joe and and, and, and Joe O'Rourke. And they were great. They would do... Uh, but uh, they didn't talk so much about now boxing uh, as much as they did interviews. And then they got a couple of guys 
that were the, are, are like we like to kid around and say so-called experts that would talk the boxing yeah. thing and <laughs> and uh but they had i mean he had angelo dundee on there i mean he had a lot of people on there that have since passed you know he had pretty pacheco he had angelo and, and dennis is a, just a top top-notch interviewer so it was always good and and the way I got involved again, here we go again. I tell you, I meet Dennis and Ben Cap <laughs> on the same day. Yeah, was I started to appear on the show every now and then uh, because they like to talk boxing history. So they would bring me on, and then if they wanted to talk about boxing movies, which I also love, I would come on. And then eventually, uh, Joe had other ideas about things he wanted to do, uh, Irish Joe, and so he he decided to uh, go another way. And then I stepped in. Uh, uh, with uh, uh, Rizwan uh, from Canada and Travis, a professional boxer from uh, Missouri or Missouri, I'm based <laughs> yeah. in Oklahoma. And uh, so we were like the three stooges, you know. So that that really helped in a sense because uh, we've got a great mixture. You know, Rizwan Zahid is from Canada, and then here I am on in Northern California, and uh, Travis is in uh, Missouri. And Travis, as I said, the fact that he's a professional fighter, you know, he fought Keith Thurman, he fought Julio Cesar Chavez, he, yeah. and I'm going to miss a few. He fought uh, Terrence Crawford, mm-hmm. and he he's been in there, and he was a real, real, real good amateur star. Uh, had a bad automobile accident, and it kind of affected what he could do as a pro. But he's still he's still doing it. So he brings that real insider knowledge to the show. Right. Know, there's a guy that's been there, right? He knows well, what's it feel like to get buzzed in the ring and all that. I mean, he, he's not just thinking what it feels like. He knows what it feels like. So, yeah, that's, we've been doing that for – I've been on part of the show probably five or six years now, and uh, we're on every Sunday. And it, it's just it, – again, it's just it's just a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. Uh, we, we get silly sometimes. Uh, uh, and uh, Dennis is the, the ringleader. Yeah, he's the host. He said, and we've been doing a lot of good interviews. You know, last week we had Shakur Stevenson on there. And, oh yeah, I, yeah, uh, I heard that. Yep. Yeah, and we're trying to get Ryan Garcia and Regis Progray has been great, and and so we're just we're just we're just trying to keep it light, and have fun, and be professionals, and then inform the audience, obviously. And and every now and then I'll get some feedback. People go, "Oh, that was really informative," and it's like, "Okay, good, we're doing our job." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, that's when you know you're doing a good job, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So let's talk more about your latest book, Blood on My Notebook, Dispatches from the World of Professional Boxing. Uh, The first question that I have uh, is, where did this great title come from for this book? (laughs) Well, it's on the back of the book, and uh, I'll paraphrase (laughs) myself here. Really, what happened was I was at an event in San Francisco, and it was a rock throw from Kizar. Stadium and being the the history guy, boxing history, I love like oh cool, you know Kizar is where Marciano fought and his last fight, and of course being the movie buff, it's like that's where Dirty Harry tangled with the Scorpion and Dirty Harry, you know, nineteen seventy three. Yeah. So I'm walking around there enjoying it, and this little small little auditorium is where they were having the fights, and I walk in and 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 I well I finally make my way in and I, I find somebody and I say hey where's the media and he goes media. yeah i'm the media and he goes oh you're the media i'm like well isn't there more and he goes 
no, nobody else is saying anything. And I said, well, do you have a, a something somewhere for us to sit, for me to sit? And he goes, uh, give me a minute. So I watch him him go over and get a chair and drag it over right by the ring. You know, literally right where the apron is, the ring apron is, and the ropes are right. So he goes, there you go. And I'm like, okay. So I got my notepad, my pen, and and a little tiny little briefcase that I used to bring with me. So I just go sit there. And and that was pretty amazing. Uh, The first fight starts, and... The first fight, you never really know what you're going to get. It's always a yeah. round, and uh, sometimes they're rip roars, and sometimes the, the guys don't really want to fight. But hey, they're in there; they're doing their best. Yep. And these two guys are really going at it hard. The crowd is already oohing and on, you know, and they they back up and they're literally right above me, Matt. Right above, and I'm watching them. I got my pen, you know, I'm the old school. I'm taking notes. Yep. And then a punch, <laughs> and then a big mist. <laughs> comes comes up and comes dropping. I can feel it floating, or I can see it floating, and it lands right on me and my notebook, and it's blood. <laughs> I hope you weren't wearing a white shirt. <laughs> I was not. I was wearing a black shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, it, 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 it's blood splatter, obviously, and I, mm-hmm. I look down like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And right then, I thought to myself, well, if I ever write a book, it's going to be called Blood on My Notebook. And I, and I went, oh, that's pretty good. So I turned the page with all the blood on it and wrote Blood on My Notebook. <laughs> Not blood, but just Blood on My Notebook. So it, it stuck. And that, that was the thing. And when I, I decided that, okay, I'm really going to do this, I had to go with it because it, it, it is perfect. Because especially in the beginning of when I was doing this, Matt, I went to so many fights. And I had my notebook. A lot of times I didn't have my computer until a few years later. And and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that one always will stand out. That blood just flowed down like that, landing on me. Uh, holy moly. That was really something else. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, that title and, and just the way you described it, I mean, that really sums up ringside reporting for, for a lot yeah. of people. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Which is neat. Yes. That's one of the things that, that I thought was really cool when um, I saw the title of the book. I'm like, yeah, that I, I can relate to that, you know? <laughs> I'm sure you can. Yeah, I'm sure you can. I'm sure a lot of guys can. Yeah, because that's that's the job. That's what you're doing. You're right there. And especially the small shows. Yeah. You, know, you go to a bigger show, you go to Vegas. And the first time I went to Vegas and <clears throat> went to the uh, Guard Grand Arena, and, and I had only been going to smaller shows. It's like, oh my God, you know, the media room is huge and they're serving food. Yeah. <laughs> there's all these people. I'm like, I don't think I belong here. You yeah, know? you're kind of taken back. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're yeah. saying, you go, oh my God, look, there's Teddy Atlas over there and, and Danny Garcia's walk. Okay, this is certainly different than being at Keysar with blood all over us. You know? <laughs> yeah. so it's, just, it's just incredible. Yeah. Incredible. No, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So we talked a little bit earlier about how I, one of the things that I appreciate in your writing style is the way that you treat world champions and journeyman fighters. You, you, you pay them the same respect and you, you treat them, you treat them the same in your writing. Um, for example, we talked about Darnell Boone and also other stories that you had in your book about champions like Gennady Golovkin. How did, how did your approach to, to treating fighters all the same and showing them the same respect in your writing. How did this approach help you to organize 
blood on my notebook. Well, you know, that's an extremely good question because I went on a lot on the faith of what I was doing, that, that what I was doing was fair and, and I wanted it to be a real mix of what I do. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about the Golovkin article and, and some, sometimes what happens, and I know you know this, anybody who writes, anybody who's a boxing fan knows this, that sometimes you'll see a fighter and you'll feel like, you know what? That guy's not getting a fair shake. Yeah. And yeah. I don't care if it if it pisses off the promoters. I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to say some things that are going to be totally in the fighter's corner. It's just, obviously, it's just my opinion, so you can take it or leave it. I mean, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say it. So uh, that's pretty much the way I looked at it when it was, that it really depended on the theme of the, of the article, like for example, uh, I just finished one on uh, uh, Hedgeman Lewis, you know, who was a very, very talented welterweight in the nineteen seventies. I kind of gone back yeah. to my roots, Matt. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, I did one on Zach Padilla, who was a WBO uh, junior welterweight champion in the eighties. Yep. Before that, I did one on Carlos Palomino, you know, because most because Carlos has been out where I live and we've been hanging out, and I started thinking about him a little bit, you know. I've kind of never written about Carlos, and he was a an incredible fighter, but uh, it, it just, like I said, it's just a, a faith of mine that uh, I'm going to give my opinion sometimes, and people know it, but it's always going to be a fair opinion because I really try hard to be very fair, and and I'll read it out loud, and if it feels like I'm, I'm slanting one way or the other, I'll fix it, but uh, organizing the book, like I said a few uh, <laughs> a minute ago or so, I just wanted to have a total mixture of what I've experienced in the last year, 10 years. You know, you go from Andre Ward, you go from Darnell Boone, you go from other ringside reports, you go to when I went to Las Vegas, you know, that was incredible. You know, when I went to Sin City, I, that was, that was wild, you know, yeah. it is the whole climate there and everything <laughs> and, and boxing. Yeah. And everything is just wild. And, and, and so my journey has been a, a, a real potpourri of boxing, in a sense, where I've just been all over the place. So that was the way I, tr I looked at it. Was I, I thought, okay, one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a few people I know, what do you think are, are some, what do you think is some of my best work? And let's, let's try to mix it all up. So it took a long time to put this together, obviously, because it's 281 pages, so it's quite a full book. And, and then, of course, the last chapter I have is the short story I wrote a number of years ago called The Weight, mm -hmm. which, which I love writing fiction. So that was a lot of, a lot of fun to write. Uh, and uh, so that was the thinking. But real fast about The Weight, uh, I actually sent that one to a few fighters to read. Oh. Uh, yeah, I told them, I go, look, you know, obviously this is fiction, so I might take some liberties and I might be a little sarcastic at times, but it's... It's fiction. I want you to tell me the truth. You know, did I pretty much capture? And they all said that I did. So I, I was really, I was really happy. And, and another thing, real, real quick, man. This is like, wow. I've had a few uh, ladies in my life read, read the weight, and they got very kind of upset. Oh, really? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, okay. Well, I, I, I did something. I don't know what, but I did something that it got them interested. So, but yeah, that one was fun. So that was that was all planned. That part, the Armando Muniz piece and the weight were all planned in the beginning. I knew I was going to make those the last two. 
Oh, okay. Because they had never been, no one had ever read them at all, except maybe two people. So then the rest, I just wanted to make sure it was a total mixture of my whole boxing journey. Oh, so kind of you wanted to capture that full spectrum of of your writing career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's, that's really the vibe I got from reading the book. And right. and that's yeah, it's that's interesting that that was the way they organized it. Yes, that's right. Very so so we touched upon Randy Shields uh, very yes. briefly earlier in the interview. Uh, Randy was the writer of your forward, and he's also the yeah. subject of one of the dispatches in the book. Can you tell us more about your relationship with Randy Shields? You know, this is the thing about what's happened to me is it. Randy Shields, who I, I watched fight so many times, and, and Carlos Palomino and Armando Mides, like who I idolized, one day about two weeks ago, to give you an example, I got calls from all three of them <laughs> right after each other. And I mean, I literally pinched myself. I mean, I, I thought to myself, if somebody had said to me in like 1980, hey, John, by the way, you know, when you're getting, when you're old and everything, you're going to be friends with Armando and Carlos and Randy. I would have went, are you crazy? I don't even know these guys. But yeah. that's how it happened is, is well, Randy, Randy is just such a straight shooter. You mm-hmm. know, he's, he's, and he writes. Randy, a lot of me, and, and I, I touched on this in my in the article, he's a writer. Yeah, I saw that. So, that was interesting. Yeah, and he's a good writer. He sent me his screenplay, and it's good. Oh, so, very, very yeah, cool. Yeah, and he loves old movies. So a lot of times when Randy and I are talking, not about boxing, because he really doesn't follow boxing anymore. Oh, yeah. I saw uh, that you mentioned that, that he had kind of stepped away from boxing a little bit. Yes. Yes. But when I when I get him interested or we, we find a topic that he, even if it's boxing and we start, he really can go into a lot of detail about what he saw and what he did. You know, Randy beat Sugar Ray Leonard and, yeah. and, and the pro fight. There's been a lot of talk about that one I mean how close it was to the pros and he came so close to winning the the welterweight championship and a lot of people think he beat Pepino Cuevas but our friendship just grew you know we were we were for a while there we were speaking three or four times a week and it was just fun you know because he's 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 working and I'm home writing so just call me for 15 or 20 minutes just shoot the bull you know and he's he's got a really offbeat sense of humor so we do a lot of uh laughing and and then we'll talk about an old movie like i said and and he's just a uh he's just a great guy he's the kind of guy uh matt that if you were if you had a problem and you called him you know you you know he'd be there as fast as he could that's awesome that's very cool yeah he's like that and even though he's a little older than me and i'm not going to say how old he is you also want him in an alley with you if you had a problem. <laughs> <laughs> he can still handle himself. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to mess with Randy. I, I, real quick, uh, a little story about Randy since you brought him up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, lives, he lives in Southern California, you know, and, and a while ago, or last year, we were just talking, we were talking about the old Superman TV series with George Reeves. This way before oh, yeah. your time. And, yeah, you, you've seen it, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so I just said I was going to go to an event because I was involved in that, too, and, and he got real quiet, and he goes, Superman, you mean the old TV series? And I said, yeah, and he goes, uh, he kind of, what, do you, you want to go? And he goes, well, I'd love to go. So, Randy, <laughs> I, and I, I got him in. I, they, 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 even though he didn't have a ticket, I got him in, and 
and so we hung out all day in in, in, in Southern California at a, a Superman convention, and he loved it. And, and at one point, I have another friend named Bruce who um, was there, and, and uh, we were talking to Randy, and, and they were giving away awards, you know, mm-hmm. randomly to people like posters and books. And Randy won an award, and he doesn't really like the spotlight on him. You know? Oh. And he looked at me. Like he set this whole thing up, and I I looked at Bruce, and Bruce looked at me, and he went, "Oh boy!" <laughs> so I had to tell Randy, Randy, I don't have that kind of control. I mean, I'm just one of the guys out here that just like Superman. I couldn't have set that up, so he was okay. But yeah, he uh, yeah, you 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 want him with you, Matt. If somebody's giving you a little bit of trouble, and they back off, you just look at somebody. You know, a lot of fighters can do that. They can flip that switch, you know, and people get it. Like, oh. Man, this guy's a little different than, than most of us. Yeah, yeah. I definitely have seen that on a few occasions from fighters where they'll be the most gentle, calm, like easygoing guy outside the mm-hmm. ring. And then they turn that switch. They flip yes. that switch and all of a sudden they, they turn into the uh, the warrior that you see in the ring. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Guts. Yep. Yep. Definitely. So where can my listeners pick up your books? Well, it's pretty easy. You, you actually can go to Roman and Littlefield and get uh, and get uh, Intimate Warfare, or with both of them, you can go on Amazon and they're they're connected. You know, www.amazon.com, and you can type in either Intimate Warfare, and I think Blood on My Notebook is there too because uh, me being the the co-author, or the same thing. You just put, type in Blood on My Notebook, and you'll mm-hmm. see a picture that you were talking about, uh, uh, and then my name and click on it and you'll see the book available there and same thing with intimate warfare and you can pretty much buy them both at the same time if you want and um uh they're there they both got a lot of nice response i mean i've been totally blown away by the response for blood on my notebook i mean you know when you do this matt i mean if you ever do this Mm -hmm. you know you're not sure i mean you think well okay i hope people like it but you know you're never 100 percent sure so the response has just been Phenomenal. Same with Intimate Warfare. I mean, Dennis and I just, you know, we gave it our all and wanted to do the respect and give these the, tri- the tribute to these two guys. And that's the same thing with Blood on My Notebook. The respect, the, 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 the tributes to some of them that I write about and, and, and remind people uh, about these guys. You yeah. know, and, and older guys, younger guys, what they, what they go through to entertain people. People go, oh, they made all this money. Yeah, but you're forgetting for three or four or five months, they were training just like crazy six days a week. I mean, they're, they're, it's just it's other sides to these stories that, that, that are so much in, so, so interesting to write about. And, and, and that's, that's a lot of times where I'm coming from. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. So what's next for John J. Responti? Do you have any new book projects in the works? Uh, I've got I've got one floating around in my brain, you know. Uh, like I said about the fictional uh, uh, story, I, I want to write some uh, fiction, not necessarily about boxing. I've got some ideas. I'm not sure where I'm going with that. Got another idea, maybe for another book. Mm. Obviously, I'd love to write one about those guys from the '70s, but Gene yeah. Aguilera already beat me to it. He wrote two really good books about oh, yeah. boxing. <laughs> so Gene's a great guy. So yeah. I don't mind. His books. He did a great job with that. I might have another one, and then Dennis and I have uh, uh, something in mind that maybe if, if if he ever has the time, we might do. But I'll probably end up doing another one. 
Uh, I love the rivals, you know, I love like Gotti and Ward. I love yeah. that. Uh, There's so many guys that have uh, fought each other in series like Graziano and Zayo, and, you know, and Ali and Frazier, obviously that the, the great rivals and that, that intrigues me. So that's possible, but yeah, with the, with the max boxing side, it keeps me very, very busy mm-hmm. and other things uh, keep me going, but uh, yeah, I might, I might, I might be bugging people with another book at some point down the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of max boxing, I see, I see multiple articles by you a week, uh, quite often. So, so yeah, definitely, uh, it seems like it keeps you very busy. <laughs> yes, it, it it does, and I tried to back off a little bit, but I, I people like my 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 articles, and so. You know, the boss was like, well, you, you, you got to write more. And I go, like, write more? Are you kidding me? Pay me more if you want me to write more. So <laughs> it's a running gag between us. But I love it. Like I said, I, lately I've been <clears throat> going back to my roots. And, and I'm like, why didn't I do this before? This is really what I love. Yeah, yeah. So I've been, I've been doing that. and Because and, and, that's my that was when I was a kid. And that was when I was growing up. And. Those guys, like I said, Hedgeman Lewis and Armando and Palomino, Zovic Barajas, and all those kind of great guys from the seventies. They were like they were they were the people that I really latched onto and watched their career. Danny Little Red Lopez. God, when I met Danny Little Red Lopez, I was just like a kid in a candy store, Matt. Yeah, yeah. This was this guy was a guy that my grandfather had two fighters that he loved: uh, Carlos Palomino and Danny Little Red Lopez. And when I bet, met Danny. I literally said to his wife, could I get a picture with, with Danny? And she said, sure. I mean, I was, excuse me. I was shy about it. (laughs) I mean, this is Danny little red Lopez here. And again, everybody's not going to understand it, but people that really love boxing, combat sports, whatever, they're going to nod and go, yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. Yeah. And Danny was uh, pretty active with the international boxing hall of fame weekends. Uh, going out there and being a part of it, so yeah, he's. I, I I've I, I've seen him around, uh, and he's he's definitely uh, one of the people that, that I would consider a people's champion from from our yeah. sport. <laughs> yes, and, and I'm lucky too. I go to these events every year, and and I get to see everybody. And and uh, I, I, I uh, last year I saw Yaki Lopez, you know, former light heavyweight. From the seventies again, fought Matthew Saad Muhammad again, and these oh, bloody yeah. battles, and oh my gosh! I mean, these guys, and and he's just such a great guy. He's got a gym up here in Stockton, and I, I keep promising that I'm going to come out there eventually, and I'm going to. He's just another example of just a boxer, just a great guy, and, and like I said, so many of them are, are, are that way, and, and they're 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 even like touched that you even remember them. Yeah, I'm, yeah. What? And it's, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, it's doing this, Matt, I'm, I'm sure you know this, it's just kind of eye opener in a way that, again, how modest these guys are and how thrilled they are that you remember them. You know, when I, when I called uh, Pinklin Thomas a few weeks ago and said, hey, Pinklin, we'd love to have you on the Ringside Boxing Show. He was like, oh, you would? Well, yeah, well, of course you <laughs> <Yeah>. would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, just, it's, just, it's just phenomenal. So one question as, as we get ready to wrap up, John, that I have to ask you, um, a boxing writer I work with by the name of Milo Taby, he likes to ask this question to boxing insiders. So I figured I would throw it out to you to get your thoughts on it. What are the top three fights that boxing needs in 2020? Top three fights. Yeah. Top three fights for, for 2020. 
<laughs> well, obviously, see the heavyweights. The heavyweights are are are, are paradoxical to me because I, I, people get mad at me because again, being an old old man like I am, I remember the I remember when the seventy in the seventies. You know, we had Kenny Norton, we had Mom and Ali, we had Joe Frazier, we had Jerry Corey, we had George Foreman. Yeah. <laughs> we had so much talent. It was loaded. Yeah, yeah. These guys, they're very limited, but. They're exciting yeah. a lot of the time. So I'd love to, whatever happens with Wilder and Fury, I still would love to see uh, Joshua and Wilder go at it. So that, it just It might even be a tough man contest. Where they might, I don't know, Joshua might go back to his boxing if he gets clipped by one of those big <laughs> right hands. He might not get up if he gets clipped by one of those right hands. Yeah. I'd love to see that. I don't think I'm going to see it this year, so... Um, uh, it's possible. I, I think that would help. Uh, we are going to get one of them that I really want to see, which is uh, Tiafima Lopez and Lomachenko. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely definitely one that's on my radar as well. Yeah, I think we're going to definitely get that. And then the last one, sadly, I don't know if we're ever going to get it. It's such a natural, and it 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 should have happened already. And this is where you get so mad at the politics of boxing, where they're. They're, they're like politicians. They can't agree on anything. You know, the sun's out. And one would say the sun's out and go, no, it's not. There's a cloud. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. you a free break. Obviously, it's Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. And especially since Errol survived that terrible automobile yeah. accident. We yeah. don't even know what he's going to be when he comes back, honestly, because uh, I don't know how. Well, we just don't know. Right, but right. A dream fight between him uh, Terrence Crawford and, and Errol Spence is is a natural, and they, they they BSed around so much that I think both guys want it. I do too, yeah. But it's not like you know, like like if we if if we had the thinking back in my day like we do now, we would have never got Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearn. I know it blows my mind, John, when you think about some of these fights that have happened in the history of boxing. Uh, that like nowadays in the last 20 years, I feel like we, we definitely would not get a lot of these, these iconic fights um, that have happened in the past. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's crazy. I, I hate to say it because I sound like a grumpy old curmudgeon, but it's true. Yeah. It's very true. They understand why boxing fans get so frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, yeah, that's definitely a big point of uh, contention between the fans and between the matchmakers and the, the money movers in the boxing world. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and there's not much you can do. I and mean, when we do like, like, I'm sure you do, like we do on the ringside boxing show, we'll complain. We'll say, come on, you guys, let's get this done. Let's, yeah. let's get these fights. Everybody wants to see them. By the time you get them, like with, with Mayweather and Pacquiao. And by the way, I was there for that one. And, Oh, cool! It was, it, it was, yeah, it was too. It was too. It was too late. Yeah, too late. Too late. It's cool. Cool that you got to attend it because it was such a. It, it will be a historic boxing match, but I mean that was years too late. Yeah, and, and it was. It was a blast. I mean, as far as being there, you talking about an event. I mean, I'd gone there by then. I'd got in the MGM Grand Garden Grand Arena numerous times, but but it was so packed they had to actually open up another media area outside because there was so much media from all over the world. Oh, wow. So, you know, I'm walking around in the other tent, and I went, oh, my God, there's, that's Carl Froch over there. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> want to talk to Carl. You know, he's kind of cool. And I went, no, no, maybe I don't really want to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, was, it was fun. It was, I was glad that I went. 
even got a even got a free all the media even got a free um, uh, uh, jacket. Oh, cool! So you got some swag from it. That's neat. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you know that was that was cool. They did they did that, and I think that was for Mayweather. So uh, oh, it was, okay. Yeah. And that was the time when when you're there and and the media area is so full and there's so many people that you're you're literally like a fan again. You're like, God, isn't that was that. Who's that? Who was that? You know, like that. I'm going to go talk to him. Maybe I'll go talk to him. You know, and they're all there. Thomas Hauser is somebody that I admired that I should have brought up. Yeah, New York guy. Like yeah. Writing, yeah. Like his writing a lot. He was there. So at least I got to talk to him for a little while. So, yeah, that, 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 was, an, that, was, a, that was an event. We'll just leave it at that. Very cool. So are there any social media or websites that you would like to share with the listeners? Well, I'd love people to go check out maxboxing.com, www.maxboxing.com. Maxboxing, a little background, used to be huge a number of years ago, and we fell on some hard times. We made a comeback. We revamped the website. You know, I've got a, a, some some good writers writing for me, like Bill Tibbs. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. You know, Bill's been around for a long time, and I'm always trying to get more. So if anybody listens to this and they want to try to get, I'm always trying to get more talent. So if anybody's interested, I'd love to take, take you on and, and uh, let you write. Um, I got a good uh, Alan Surf writes some offbeat stuff about boxing, which was always fun. And he seems to have grown as far as uh, people seem to like his stuff. Yeah. So that, that's it. You know, Max Boxing, um, it has grown, but obviously you're always wanting more because there's so much competition out there, Matt. You know this better yeah. than that. I mean, you know, so many boxing sites that, People go to a few of them, but they, they, they sometimes aren't sure where to go next. So that's, that's all I ask. People at least give us a shot. You know, we're we're trying to be a little different. As you see, I have features on there. I have little previews. I have some different things. Yeah, and yeah, it, definitely. And, yeah, and, it, and it, it's fun. And, and it, it's just that so if, if people would consider Maxboxing, I would, uh, .com, I'd be thrilled. Cool. We'll make sure to share the link to Maxboxing with Thank this you. interview. Definitely. And John? Thank you very much for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I did too. My pleasure, Matt. Anytime. Thank you, John.